District. CRP sign-up is underway through the Farm Service Agency, but an incentive in place from the Nebraska Game and Parks. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I wanted to find out more about what this incentive was all about, so I asked Eric Zock with Game and Parks. Right now, the USDA Farm Service Agency has a general CRP sign-up running through uh, or until February 12th. Uh, along with that, there's also a continuous CRP sign-up that's available until basically the end of September. And we value CRP uh, greatly in the state because it's critical for many of our wildlife species, especially pheasants, which we, um, you know, we do a lot of work with to, to try to promote. And um, through our Bergen pheasant plan, we are offering additional incentives over and above what uh, the Farm Service Agency would, would offer for signing up into CRP. So tell me a little bit about what those incentives are and how producers can find out more information. Sure. Um, those are offered in uh, eight focal areas across the state. Um, incentives for signing up into CRP, uh, they vary by area. So roughly um, they range from like $20 uh, in the per acre in the panhandle up to about $100 in other parts of the state. And like I said, it varies um, by the specific focal area. And so I just, uh, you know, encourage folks to uh, either contact their local Game and Parks or Pheasants Forever biologist, or they can go to crpsignup.com. That's just all one word, crpsignup.com. And all of this information is uh, is listed there. What do you see as some of the biggest benefits to Nebraska when it comes to the, the CRP ground and the habitat that is there for wildlife? Well, it's, it's one of the most successful programs for, um, you know, curbing soil erosion, uh, improving water quality, and then, um, you know, our interest is in the wildlife habitat. And um, Right now, we have about 700,000 acres of CRP, or what I would call traditional CRP, and that's actually down about 50% from uh, just about uh, 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And so, you know, we want to build that CRP back up because, it, like I said, it's um, it affects everybody in the state. Um, it, it holds the soil when we have winds like we will have in the next couple days. Um, so that improves uh, air quality and keeps that topsoil on the ground. But like I said, it also is the bread and butter for our constituents who, you know, seek these uh, CRP fields out to try to find pheasants and quail and uh, deer, turkey and whatever that uses them. And it's a wide range of wildlife that benefit from CRP. And a great opportunity. You've got the ground in CRP. Why not uh, meet up with you guys as well at Game and Parks and take it to that next level to increase the wildlife? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, another benefit for producers is, is you know, in times of drought, like we are right now, they can use that forage uh, intermittently to, um, you know, supplement uh, some of the, the forage for their, their operation. And that's a, that's a big boost um, that, that they can get from, from CRP. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's just a pretty great program for, for the entire state. And he also wanted to mention, when you go to the CRP sign-up page, you're going to find a link as well for some Q&A sessions to get those questions answered. Talking game and parks and incentives for CRP in Nebraska. I'm Susan Littlefield, the Rural Radio Network.
It's time for Midday Sports, and we have Scott Foster in for Jason Jorgensen, who right now is sitting on a bus heading to Missouri for UNK basketball. And, of course, those games we'll have for you tomorrow and Saturday over on 93.1 The River and 106.9 FM in the Kearney area as well. So here you are, Mr. Foster, and uh, what, what do you have for us? Well, first of all, let me just say that I don't like riding in a bus for that long, so I envy him no. not. Uh, no. As a man of my stature, uh, buses are not comfortable for long rides. So yeah, just, were you 6'3"? Six, 6'6". Six, six, I was 6'7 until I started working at KRVN, and now I'm 6'6". Six, six. Okay. I got beat down by the So man. you're right. You're, in terms of sitting on the bus in uh-huh. no room... It's not comfortable. No, no, okay. no, it's not. All right. You may have to be put underneath the bus. Yeah, in the luggage compartment. You can spread oh, out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or on the floor between everybody. Right. Anyway, right. I'll, I'll, we digress. The annual Midwest Duels will take place at the Buffalo County Fairgrounds this weekend and feature 15 high schools and 10 colleges. The field, due to the ongoing COVID pandemic, is smaller this year. High schools will compete Friday in the Exposition Building with pool play starting at 10 a.m. Championship and placing matches will start at 3 p.m. The college action will take place in the Exhibition Building and start at 9 a.m. Each school will have three duels. Nebraska Kearney will see Junior College Power Northeastern Oklahoma A&M and former RMAC rivals Adams State and Colorado State Pueblo. Results on each day can be found at www.trackwrestling.com, which is a great website for wrestling, by the way. Capacity in each facility will be capped at 25%, and tickets can be purchased. No game day tickets, though, will be sold. I'm going to take some grief for this one. I'm going to go ahead and read it anyway. Longtime NFL quarterback Philip Rivers has decided to retire after playing one season with the Indianapolis Colts. His decision at age 39 comes less than two weeks after the Colts suffered a 27-24 loss to my Buffalo Bills at the wild card round of the playoffs. Rivers, who spent 14, excuse me, who spent his first 16 seasons with the San Diego slash Los Angeles Chargers after they acquired him in a draft day deal. You may remember this. Mm-hmm. It was it was kind of weird because the Chargers drafted Eli Manning. But he said he wouldn't play right. for San Diego. So uh, they shipped him around. Eli Manning ended up with the Giants, Rivers with San Diego. Now, his 240 consecutive regular season chart starts has him second, only behind Brett Favre. He never played in a Super Bowl. Now, it's not to say he didn't have some great teams assembled. And he did. Yep, and LT running behind him. Ladanian mm-hmm. Tomlinson was very good. It'll be interesting where Rivers falls. You know, when we look at, we always talk about this thing, but he's number two among quarterbacks without a Super Bowl ring and eighth all time. Only Tom Brady, two-time Super Bowl champs, Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger, Breeze and Hall of Famers Favre and John Elway and Dan Marino won more regular season games than Rivers. But are you? do you think... He, he is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think he is. I, I'm i not a Rivers fan, but I think he's a Hall of Famer. If Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer, Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. But it's different. He won two Super Bowls. Philip Rivers never made it to a Super Bowl and probably should have maybe once yeah. or twice. I don't, I don't necessarily disagree, but pretty eye-popping numbers. No, they're terrific numbers for your Chargers. I oh, just, uh, I, I don't know. Listen, if he got in fine if he didn't get in i think fine too i don't know if he does 
he's not a for sure first round ballot Hall of Fame. Let's just say that. Well, understand though, first round isn't a big deal in the NFL Hall of Fame like it is in baseball. Okay, that's fair. So, so I, I, I think he gets in. Okay. Anyway, we'll we're, we're going to talk about your Denver Nuggets Thank now. You. Nicole, could you say this name for me real yeah. quick, though? Uh, Nikola Jokic. Thank you very much. Had 27 points and 12 rebounds before calling it an early night as the Denver Nuggets routed OKC 119-101. Jokic also had six assists before taking a seat on the bench with the other starters for the fourth quarter. Impressive stuff there. And Tiger Woods has undergone a fifth back surgery that has put the start of his new year on hold. Woods didn't say when he had the microdiscectomy. I think that's right. Only the uh, doctors deemed it a success and expect a full recovery. He'll miss two tournaments he normally plays in Southern California. So tough boy. A lot of a lot of injuries towards the end of Woods' career here, for sure. By the way, a terrific documentary on Tiger Woods, HBO did last two Sundays. Uh, Checked it out. It's only on HBO. Uh, Did a really good job. It was fantastic. He did appear late in the second segment of it, but overall, great documentary. Yeah, you mentioned that. What's it called? Do you remember what it was called? Something about, I don't remember either. Tiger? I don't know. Tiger, yeah. Yeah, yeah. just look it up. Watch it. It's about four hours long total, but... uh, Certainly well worth it. So, thank you for coming in. You bet. That's sports. This is Greg Sharp coming up tonight on Sports Night. We'll hear from the head football coach Scott Frost. He'll be by to update us on all the off-season moves made by the Oscars, and it's buy sell night. That and more tonight on Sports Nightly. Listen to Sports Nightly on 880 KRVN, 106.9 FM, Kearney, and 98.5 FM, Grand Island. President Joe Biden took the oath of office to become the 46th president of the United States. He takes charge in a deeply divided nation, inheriting a confluence of crises arguably greater than any faced by his predecessors. President Biden is calling on Americans to overcome their divisions, declaring in his first address that without unity, there is no peace. He also pledged during his inaugural address that he would be honest with the country as it continues to confront difficulties, saying that leaders have an obligation to defend the truth and defeat the lies. He asked even those who did not vote for him to give him a chance. He said, hear me out as we move forward. As he did frequently during the campaign, Biden pledged that he will be a president for all Americans and will fight as hard for those who did not support him as for those who did. He added that we must end this uncivil war that pits red against blue, unquote. The concert industry took a huge hit last year, according to a Nashville-based entertainment producer. Eric Marcuse with Romeo Entertainment Group describes it as a tough and sad year to not be connecting with artists and their fans. Certainly can tell you that, you know, over 80% of artists, reps, um, such as managers and agents, and all their staff have been out of work for about a year now. And as far as, <clears throat> excuse me, touring musicians and the many people that it takes to put on a concert, they are all out without a job. And it has been a long year for folks. Marcuse expects some concerts will resume after Memorial Day in outdoor venues with various safety protocols in place, including more hand washing stations and partitions in place. The mayor of Hastings says he has been admitted to a hospital after experiencing severe symptoms he attributed to a coronavirus infection. 
Mayor Corey Studi issued a statement through the city saying he was taken Monday to a Hastings hospital after an incident that included a fall, a seizure, an irregular heartbeat, and bleeding on the brain. The 39-year-old Studi was being treated in the hospital's intensive care unit. A Lawrence, Kansas artist known for large, intricate crop art will have his work featured in a virtual celebration of Joe Biden's inauguration. Stan Hurd was asked by the inauguration team to contribute to a Parade Across America video that will be shown during the inauguration. Hurd and a crew charred the phrase, America United, into a former hayfield outside of Lawrence, Kansas. They finished on Sunday. The large block text covers about one acre of land belonging to one of Hurd's supporters. The team cut the words with weed trimmers and then used a butane torch to burn the interior part of the letters. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Thursday night, it's high school and UNK basketball from KRVN Sports. On 93.1 The River and 106.9 at Kearney, UNK is at Pittsburgh State with a women's game at 5.30 and the men's game at 7.30. On 880 KRVN, the Southern Valley girls and boys travel to Arapahoe. And on Kimmy Country, Lexington travels to Cozad with the girls game at 5.30 and the boys game to follow. That's UNK and high school basketball this Thursday from KRVN Sports and at KRVN.com. Bryce Duskin on the Rural Radio Network, and today we are joined by the Nebraska Farm Bureau President, Mark McCart, as we talk about uh, the recent American Farm Bureau Federation annual convention held virtually this year, but still a lot of meetings and business to tend to, Mark. And one of the big announcements coming out of there is that uh, you were voted or caucused, I guess, onto the national board. So tell us a little bit about that position. Yeah, Bryce, uh, just uh, very humbled to be selected by uh, the Midwest states to serve on American Farm Bureau Board. Uh, it's, it's a great privilege to represent uh, Nebraska, but also to present uh, ag producers, uh, represent ag producers from across the country nationally. And uh, it's just very surreal, humbling, uh, but really looking forward to uh, uh, representing agriculture in the nation's capital. I mentioned one of the big things that comes out of the uh, the convention is some of the policy decisions that the delegates set. And I know there were a few proposals that you and I had a chance to visit about before that were adopted by uh, the, the delegate body. One of them had to do with cattle markets, right? Yeah, yeah we had a real good discussion on cattle markets. Uh, it was agreed uh, by all the delegate body that we needed to uh, have some more policy around cattle markets. So, you know, just in real base uh, kind of conversations, uh, it was largely agreed that, uh, you know, a greater a greater cash market, uh, market transparency around uh, fed cattle uh, would help situations. We also recognized that there were regional differences in how we market cattle. Uh, that was recognized and that ultimately the uh, policy that we decided on uh, would fully support uh, Senator's Fisher bill that she brought la- last year, the Cattle Market Transparency Act. Um, it would uh, dovetail and support that particular type of language very well. Were there other proposals that were passed that uh, would be an interest to our, to our listeners here in Nebraska? Uh, yeah, you know, just as we've visited before, Bryce, that uh, with COVID and the market disruptions, uh, packing plant disruptions, uh, we had livestock backed up, and then there was also, besides livestock backed up, there seemed to be a very uh, high high 
value placed on trying to uh, run uh, livestock through some of the smaller uh, processing plants and that uh, we, we quickly became aware that we actually probably didn't have enough of those plants or they didn't have enough capacity. So we passed some support for uh, very small, small and medium-sized uh, meat processing plants, uh, encouraging investment in those and encouraging potential uh, investments or incentives into that. Uh, also a really big area, uh, Bryce, that we know just really impacted producers last year was when EPA pulled uh, dicamba off the market in season uh, and approved product that was pulled in season. So we uh, developed language around that to encourage EPA uh, uh, to not do that, to prevent that from happening again in the future uh, was very disruptive and our delegates as a whole uh, recognize that. Well, it sounds like there were some productive discussions as uh, the American Farm Bureau Federation sets policy on the national level. But uh, kind of an interesting part of, of where the convention falls, I remember this from past years of covering the convention on location, is the fact that uh, back in Nebraska, the state legislature kicks off. And I'm sure you've been paying close attention to the bills introduced here in the first 10 days of the legislature. Uh, I have to imagine property tax is still one of those big issues uh, important to Nebraska Farm Bureau members. But anything else uh, that you, Mark, and the staff at Nebraska Farm Bureau are watching coming out of the Nebraska legislature? Yeah, you know, we would expect and we were encouraged that the governor uh, uh, had property tax uh on the top of his list of topics to continue to work on. But we were uh, equally happy that uh, he talked about broadband. Uh, we, are, we are very concerned uh, in Nebraska that uh, the access to broadband, uh, both uh, uh, download and upload, uh, is imperative that we get out to rural areas. And even some of our urban areas uh, have spots that we don't have great access. And so it's, it's going to be a top shelf issue. Uh, how we get that distributed out, just making sure that our mapping is correct, uh, where some some services say that there are there is good uh, signal, I don't think is is accurate. So we need to get the mapping correct, and then we need to figure out a way uh, to get broadband to every square mile of Nebraska. That is going to be a big task, but it's going to be a task that we have to tackle, uh, and the governor recognized that, and we appreciate that. Well, Mark, uh, congratulations on a successful virtual convention at the American Farm Bureau Federation annual convention there and for uh, being elected onto the AFBF board. Appreciate uh, you spending a few time, few moments of your time to uh, chat with us today. Absolutely. Anytime, uh, uh, Bryce, and appreciate our conversation. To learn more about some of the policy priorities adopted at the AFBF virtual convention, you can visit our website, ruralradio.com. Broadcasting inside the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network. With the business report, I'm Bob Brogan. U.S. stocks are rallying to records on encouraging earnings reports and continued optimism that new leadership in Washington will mean more support for the struggling economy. The S&P 500 was 1.3% higher in afternoon trading and topped the record closing level it set earlier this month. Joe Biden took the oath of office to become U.S. president, and he has already pitched a $1.9 trillion plan 
for the struggling economy. The hope is that such stimulus will help carry the economy until COVID-19 vaccinations get daily life closer to normal later this year. President Donald Trump has pardoned a former Google engineer who pleaded guilty to stealing trade secrets before joining Uber's effort to build robotic vehicles for its ride-hailing service. Anthony Lewandowski was among the more than 140 people included in a flurry of clemency actions in the final hours of President Trump's White House term. The Canadian company behind the Keystone XL pipeline says it has suspended work on the pipeline in anticipation of incoming U.S. President Joe Biden revoking its permit. Biden's day one plans included moving to revoke a presidential permit for the pipeline. The 1,700-mile pipeline would carry roughly 800,000 barrels of oil a day from Alberta to the Texas Gulf Coast, passing through Montana, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, and Oklahoma. United Health's fourth quarter earnings tumbled as costs from COVID-19 hit the health insurance provider, but results still easily beat expectations. Healthcare use rebounded in the final quarter of 2020 after the global pandemic kept people away from doctors' offices and surgery centers when it first spread earlier last year. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Achieving global sustainable development goals. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for being with us today. I'm Alex Wachowski on the Rural Radio Network. In a recent conversation with organizations 25 by 25 and Solutions from the Land, I had the opportunity to learn about what these two organizations are doing in the world of renewable energy and global sustainability. Bart Ruth is the co-chair of 25 by 25. 25 by 25 got its start back in the early 2000s and formally organized in 2004 when a group of farm leaders from across the U.S. Um, were sitting around discussing the role that agriculture could play in moving our nation forward with renewable energy. And quickly they discovered that we had huge potential, whether it's biofuels, wind, solar, all those things occur on America's heartland, forests, basically all across the country in rural areas. And that was a way to not only promote prosperity in rural America, but also contribute uh, greatly to our nation's energy supply. So they uh, established a goal of moving our nation's electrical generation to 25% renewable by the year 2025. That's where the name came from. And at the time we started, I think we were below 10% nationwide for renewables. Um, today we're Still on track for that goal. I think we're at 19%, the last figures I saw for 2019 of renewables. So we're making headway. It's not been without stops and starts because of tax incentives that come and go, but uh, we're making headway. And since that early in start, we've morphed into solutions from the land. And I'll let Fred and, and Ray talk a little bit about that project. Ray Gaser is a past chairman and president of the American Soybean Association, and he's currently an active leader in the North American Climate Smart Agriculture Alliance. He shares about the partnership between 25 by 25 and Solutions from the Land. My charge is to lead the policy recommendations for North American Climate Smart Agriculture Alliance, which is, is a subgroup of Solutions from the Land. So uh, we developed a message for the House Committee on Climate, that uh, the select committee that was established back last March, 
our real message is that solutions are from agriculture. You know, we can provide a lot of solutions. We, and farmers are always uh, looking to not only benefit their farm, but the environment that they live by. And, uh, you know, we had uh, 10 recommendations that we sent to the House and to the Senate, you know, for climate as we move forward. And one of the big issues is about the water cycle and cleaning up the water, but also protecting our water supply. Our fellow ranchers and farmers in the West of the United States are really concerned about supply of water. And, you know, as they say, whiskey's for drinking and water's for fighting over. And so, you know, it's really important to them. The next thing is, you know, we need incentives for agriculture in, in any uh, enabling legislation that helps us to uh, provide the technical assistance so we can make good decisions and the research that brings that about. It's investment in infrastructure, investment in, in the practices that we're all learning that work. And we also know that, you know, every farm is different, every climate is different, every state, county has a different way to come back out to the same result of protecting the land, cleaning up the water, and by the way, sequestering carbon. Again, that's Bart Ruth with 25 by 25 and Ray Gaser with Solutions from the Land. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we talk to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. A little more pullback today, John, but can we say maybe soybeans trying to find a level floor to land out and try to reverse this market a little bit? You know, this is kind of a, I don't say a nothing day, but no economic data. Governments are clo- government is closed pretty much because of the inauguration. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't really see the reason why we were down, not saying that I'm right or wrong. It was where it was. Momentum is going to be a big deal in, in soybeans. But we saw a turnaround in the oil markets early morning. We saw a turnaround in pretty much everything uh, coming off lows. And I think we probably scored a low here. I'm, I'm, I'd be willing to say that in the March delivery. I think 1350 is going to be a good tough nut to crack. Uh, the South, South American harvest, Brazil's early harvest is going to be delayed a little bit. They'll have the product. But it's just, you know, we're talking about two weeks, and it really matters. And that should keep the, the bid under the March contract. You saw it really widen out over the May today. Uh, and then you look at crush margins into China and nothing's changing. Like they, It's not like they're just all of a sudden available with new, new products. So, um, you know, the shipment numbers, numbers weren't as good today, but I think, you know, it's the beginning of the year. And I think a lot of, a lot of things that uh, can, can pu- continue to push the market, that have pushed the market over the last two weeks, will continue to do so, at least till, through the delivery period. Is there any timing to this next round of stimulus, getting that money into money managers' hands before they inject it into the markets? Is there any timing to be worried about there? Well, I imagine the political, you know, football game that's going to go on about the spending policy is is going to be a you know drawn out one. But at this point in time, you have you know the former Federal Reserve Chair stepping in to be the Treasury Secretary, which is is kind of bananas when you think about it, and. Um, you know, she's sitting on Congress yes, up on uh, Capitol Hill yesterday talking about spending $2 trillion, $1.9 trillion. So, you know, the market's going to be bullish on that. Um, it's, you know, I think it's bullish on other reasons, too. You know, COVID cases here in the U.S. have started to come off a little bit. Uh, I worry about China. That's that's kind of the big, big uh, rocks that could be thrown in the pond here. So, uh, 
you know, China, what, for, for whatever reason, you know, if they get upset with something we say or if they get upset with something someone else says of our allies, if, if you know, for some reason they just decide to, to starve, you know, that I, I don't put anything past them. I think you got to be prepared with just long-term put option strategies. I think it'll help you. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing and Chicago Publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. You can learn more when you visit their website. That's danielzagmarketing.com. Again, danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involve risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. When you visit danielzagmarketing.com, that's where you can sign up for your free trial of Mike's, or of, excuse me, of John's daily newsletter this week in grain. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up midday here on Wednesday. You can listen to our midday podcast sponsored by Deveni Motors at krvn.com.